one red button. A legend is sung of when England was young. And knights were brave and bold. The good king had died, and no one could decide who was rightful heir to the throne. It seemed that the land would be torn by war. Or saved by a miracle alone. And that miracle appeared in London town. The Welcome back to Disney Plusin' and Cussin'. <laughs> Today we are covering 1963's The Sword in the Stone. I'm your host, T.H. Halfwhite. <laughs> and my name is Arkadifis. <laughs> um, so yeah, today we're covering uh, 1963's Sword in the Stone. That was the intro, um, Sword in the Stone. Uh, Tim, uh, Tim, can you do me a favor? Um, yeah. Can you... Uh, go back in the at the end of the song. Uh, we we get the inscription. Uh, that's on the sword itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it said, uh, it, it said, uh, uh, upon the sword were written these words. Can you uh, can you play that clip real quick? Yeah. And below the hilt, in letters of gold, were written these words. Whoso pulleth out the dogs sword out? Stone, <laughs> who let the dogs out? Uh, that, that bit's gonna kill. Yeah, welcome back to Plussin' and Cussin'. Hey, Tim, you know what I realized while we were listening to that fucking, uh, the birth of, of England? Uh... Uh, it's the fourth the, 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 fucking July, baby. <laughs> we are we are covering England's birth upon the eve of the celebration of its loss to America in seventeen seventy six. Uh, I mean, it, England was just a, a stepping stone on the way to the culmination of uh, the the advent of the Baha men, <laughs> and and really. Uh, all we really had to know to be king of England was, is it you that let the dogs out? Look, um, England, I've, I've had arguments with our English bar manager about, he talks about how the temperature of, uh, like he literally argues for warmer beer. It says room temperature, you can taste more of it. Um, and I'd like to celebrate his stupid opinion by drinking a Montuck, super ice cold Montucky cold snack. Montucky cold snack. About as American as you can get. Uh, the horse is now straight again because uh, it's not Pride Month anymore. 
Um, so I don't I don't have a, a unicorn riding through a rainbow. Now it's just a fucking horse. Uh, to stick it in a mare. I sent you a picture of my uh, my my pansexual non-binary friend. Uh, took a picture. Oh, uh, took a Pride picture Month of over. themselves up. Yeah, you know what that means. Yeah, <laughs> that's a Chick Fil A. That's cool. Yeah. Fantastic. Hey man, yeah. it's a good business. I mean, it's a bad business, but like no ethical consumption under capitalism. I suppose they got a fast-moving lines and tasty chicken. It's fast-moving lines and tasty, tasty chicken. So this episode of Plus and Cousin brought to you by uh, Chick Fil A. Uh, except on Sunday. and Montucky and Montucky cold snacks. Montucky cold snacks. I, as usual, have Miller Lite and Malort. Not. I got a little bit of gin. I still haven't made it to a liquor store that carries Malort. Uh, All things very American. So happy, happy Fourth of July, Tim. That's that's what I had there. Yeah, did you buy any fireworks? No, um, we're doing a. Uh, somebody at my work did a swimply. What the fuck is that? Swimply's like Airbnb for people's pools, but way more expensive. Oh. Uh-huh. But if you got a really nice pool, you can make a fuck ton of money just letting, you know, fifty restaurant motherfuckers come through because they don't want to go to the river and be surrounded by a bunch of motherfuckers. Uh, and yeah, we're gonna swim, grill. Exclusively us, and everybody throws in like twenty bucks. Wow. Okay, that's that sounds like a good time. A Swimply. This episode brought to you by Swimply. Somebody was talking to me about that the other day. I don't know that I want to like. I don't know that I want to go swimming if I know there's some middle-aged dude inside just like watching me swim. You know. I you know with all the investments and. Um, Investment properties and shit like, I, I and by the way, I'm that dude, like in my apartment because I have the pool view and now I just feel like the creep that like I'm <laughs> like putting on my I'm like in my underwear putting on my socks looking out the window and then I I told you this I just saw some chick just like looking up at me as she was sunbathing and we locked eyes and it looked like I'd been there for a while. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and we were both just like ah. Because <laughs> you're the one. Uh, that's that, Neither one of you should have been looking in that situation. Look, I pay an exorbitant amount of rent. I should be able to do whatever the fuck I want in that room. You can you can look at whatever happens in that pool. That's your pool now. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You got any sword news? In, uh, uh, getting rid of the sword in the stone exhibit at, uh, at Disney World. Hong or Kong. maybe Hong Kong Disney World. Hong Kong Disneyland. I've been thinking a lot about... Well, that didn't actually have anything to do with Japan. Hong Kong Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to the uh, Manhattan Project episode of the last podcast on the left. I've been thinking a lot about Japan. In fact, you know how, uh, how Donald Duck fought the Nazis? Yeah. Well, Bugs Bunny fought the Japanese... Yeah, we. Re- I, I I've also been listening to the Manhattan Project on the last podcast on the left, and we. The first thing I thought was, I've got to see this Bugs Bunny cartoon. Did you watch it? No. Have you watched it? I watched it. It's called Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny nips the nips. Oh shit. <laughs> uh huh. And then Bugs Bunny uses lots more horrible, uh, uh, Asian or uh, Japanese people slurs. When he uh, passes out good humor bars called Good Rumor uh, to all of the Japanese 
people portrayed like uh, subhuman animals yeah. uh, uh, filled with grenades. Oh, good. Uh, also, they have somebody. It's Mel Blank. It's Mel Blank. Let's not pretend it's anybody but Mel Blank. Uh, mimicking like Japanese speech. Yeah, that in a gibberish happen. tongue. Yeah. This is a Chuck Jones joint. Uh, Leon Schlesinger, actually. Ooh, Schlesinger. One of my faves. Uh, but nobody did it better than fucking Tex Avery. I bet Tex Avery made made fucking killer propaganda. Yeah, I just didn't feel like the, the Donald Duck stuff was... We hated the Nazis, but we didn't hate them like we hated the, the Japanese. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well... And they, you know... Well, but that's not what we're talking about today. Think about Nazis, we're talking about the Nazis English. White. We're talking about the, the fucking Brits that lost to us in 1776. The only war that we can hang on to. Uh, cause uh, we were so, we were such we were such brats in that whole thing. The 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 revolution. The revolutionary, yeah. Uh, you're pro England. Are you are you going on the record as as pro England? Uh, pre revolution. I'm definitely. I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not like pro King George in England or anything. But I am. Yeah. I am saying that like the Revolutionary War guys weren't like heroes or anything. They were just fucking brats. Uh, okay, so while while we're on the topic of history, I need. Did you know? Did you know that both you know you know who Stockton Rush is right? Uh, from the uh, from the the death sub the submarine yeah that yeah. Do you know that both of his grand great grandfathers signed the Declaration of Independence? Really. Hmm. I did not know that. No. That's the ilk that was on the Declaration of Independence. Uh, <laughs> the type of folk that would go down to the Titanic in a in a rickety sub. Yeah, man, with a Logitech controller. Man, if only he'd been rocking an Xbox controller, maybe things wouldn't have gone that way. I don't know, dude. I've got an Xbox Pro controller in the electric green color that will fucking lose its goddamn mind if I so much as think that I'm going to try playing a multiplayer game and both of my controllers will work at the same time. And so just my my actual expensive Xbox Pro controller uh, not being able to connect to the Xbox properly three feet away from me uh, while I lay my ass on a couch above sea level does not make me feel good about Bluetooth of any kind being in charge of my life. I should think that that, that, that thing was not a, a Bluetooth joint. It's a Bluetooth um, joint. It's a Bluetooth controller? That's a Bluetooth joint, yes. In the yes. in the sub? In the sub. Oh man, what a dum-dum. What a dum-dum, right? But like... I don't know. The whole situation is I will always laugh at submarine memes because uh, uh, whether they were shitty billionaires or, you know, people just living out their dreams because why not? You're rich. Uh, it's still the way I would handle a super scary death of any kind. If I can't laugh about it, it's too fucking scary. Like, I'm already yeah, staying so away scary. from the ocean anyway. But like, mm. uh, we went down to. Uh, so, do you know that in San Antonio now you can't get an appointment at the DMV for like two or three months? What the fuck? 
I there's a part of me that thinks that that's like, hey, we just shut down any kind of efficiency whatsoever during COVID, and we just like it that way. So we're gonna keep it that way. It's nice. We like it. You know. You know what we like a lot. We're still getting the same job done with one third of the people that we used to have. So we go. Fuck it. Let's go down to Corpus. Um, we can get an appointment that very day at the DMV. Um, at the DMV, yeah. uh, we went in and um, Brooklyn. I was like, "Hey, before we do all this shit, everybody fucking goes down there. We get the hotel room and stuff because we get the hotel room for forty bucks because Ash works for Hilton." Um, I'm like, "Y'all need to fucking make sure that you have everything in order." And they're like, "Yeah, we got it." Bet. <laughs> And we get in front of that lady, and she's like, can't do anything without your social security card. And I look at her, and I'm like, what the fuck, Brooklyn? And But the lady's like, okay, now hold on. She's like, there's social security about 10 miles down the road. She's like, you go down there. I don't think it take too long. I, cu- I go to lunch at 1. You just tell them to come back in here. You go. You come straight into Bay 9 and talk to Radonna. We go in there. They're super fucking, except for the fucking guy that told me I couldn't plug my phone into the wall. Uh, everybody was cool at the social security office. I'm sitting there with my phone plugged into the wall because he's about to die. And he's yeah. like, oh, you can't you can't plug your phone into the wall. I'm like, well, why not? And he's like, because uh, we can't be responsible if anything happens to your phone. I'm like, so you think something's going to happen to my phone by plugging it into an electrical outlet? He's like, he's like, exactly. I was like, okay, fuck you. <laughs> And you you don't like your you don't like your your tepid little waters disturbed, but anyways, we get back there we get back there they're like hey y'all made it back go on she's waiting for you we rush back there and she's like okay no I, she's like I, I hold on I'm gonna wait to go to lunch I'm gonna get you set up I'm about to go to lunch I'm gonna get you set up with her praise Jesus and uh, they they got us set up and the lady's like ah there's this one little thing I'm just gonna I'm just gonna make it work anyway I have never had more cooperative kind and helpful fucking DMV employees than I did in Corpus Christi that day. And anytime I go to the DMV, we're just having a goddamn beach day. Yeah, oh, that sounds... <laughs> that sounds fucking killer, actually. Oh, but uh, talking about fear of the ocean, uh, I like getting... Uh, I don't... You know I don't smoke a whole lot of, of marijuana. Yeah, uh, yeah. But when I am at the beach and the ocean, something about that, just those two just go together like peanut butter and jelly, man. I get real fucking high, roll around in the surf. Fucking, I, I discovered that like you dive into a wave and then you just go limp and then the next wave picks you up and sets you back on your feet and I was showing that to Heine and stuff. I'm fucking rolling, that was just like ro- letting, the, letting the, the surf carry my dead body to the shore <laughs> and just like letting it all fucking wash over me and shit. Fucking super cool. Super cool. And it's at, like the shittiest beach I know. Having a good old time. Uh, how are the how North are the mos- Beach? How are the mosquitoes? Non-existent. Nice. That's a good day at the beach. Plus, you got your shit taken care of. You know what? When shit when shit goes right in your life, you just need to take a break for yourself. When you need to take a break for yourself, you need to take a break with Carly Rae Jepsen's Malort. Uh, or or Bombay Sapphire Gin, straight from the heart of uh, Ingoland. What? Why are you so pro-British on the Fourth of July, Tim? Hey, I'm I'm an Anglophile. Crucify me, like the Romans did to the to the tribes of England that they conquered. After hearing how much fun you had at the beach, you could also be an Anglophile. <laughs> oh, don't talk about that. Uh, 
Oh, I think I left my gin uh, out in the next room. Why don't you Why don't you give us a little uh, little background before I go into uh, into our our story's creator, T. H. White? What kind of background? I don't know. Or you can just wait. I'll just wait. I'll just wait. All right. Jeez, I definitely had forgotten. I had forgotten. Uh, what the rest of that song went like. <laughs> Come on and tell me who let them dogs out. Do, 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 do. Uh, the Baja other... men definitely have to have like a, a, a residency in Vegas or something, right? Uh, no. No. Uh, you, know who Usher was, does. you know who was on their way to Vegas when I was leaving Vegas? Uh, Alexis. No. Uh, Los Tucanes de Tijuana. The Tijuana Toucans? Yeah. Uh, uh, the the dudes who write, wrote and perform uh, La Chona. I'm cutting all this out. So, uh, you, don't know, you don't know La Chona? No, but I know, uh, I know Juana La Cubana. That's that's that that's that that's that 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 no, okay, no, 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 no. Before let me tell you a little bit about old boy T H White. Before oh, you get into T H White, I, yeah. I did have one question uh, that we were about to get into. The reason I brought up England and the Fourth of July is I actually, before we dig into this, please don't make fun of me, but like, so King Arthur was totally fake, right? No. <laughs> or was like, was there is there lineage that goes back to? Was King Arthur the first king? Like definitely what? not. So like, I can't go. I, I can't keep the Victorias, the Elizabeths, the Georges, and the Henrys in the right. Like I feel like England has a great way of keeping time as far as like the past goes. But I don't know when any of that shit was. Okay, so like, King how Arthur. Long ago are we talking? King Arthur is. Uh, Okay, King Arthur is more real than Paul Bunyan and Johnny Appleseed, and as real as Jesus Christ. Okay. But, and more real than, let's say, Prester John. Okay. Um, like, it's, it's like... I pressed your tits. <laughs> uh, yeah, I pressed that John through all of its paces this last week. Um, so... Uh, yeah, as far, this I did not research recently, I'm just going on, like, past knowledge, like, King Arthur is thought to have been a real king, but this is, like, before extensive documentation, like, Dark Ages, like, they acknowledge in the fucking Disney movie, this is the Dark fucking Ages, so not the first king, not the first king, but if we're even just going on, like, the fictional story or whatever, he is, uh, uh, you know, the one who was filling the gap after King Uther died. I don't know if that's Uther Pendragon, um, and I don't even know why that name's in my head, but uh, there are kings before Arthur. Okay. 
And I mean, it is it is also argued by probably a lot of fucking woo woo idiots that like Merlin was real. Like, I mean, there's so many there's so In many the same magicians. way that Rasputin was real. No, Rasputin very very real. No, no, no. I know that Rasputin was very very real, but like Merlin would be more of a of a like a Rom, uh, a Romani dude with a with a huge dick, uh, just whispering things to to Arthur. Than he was like a real wizard, yeah. Oh man, who fucking knows? Like, it, it, it's Merlin my, probably fictional. In my version, Merlin has a huge dick. Uh, well, in Th White's version, Merlin has bird shit all over him. Okay, that makes sense. Who the fuck is Th White? Uh, Th White was uh, he was born in 1906 in um, in English controlled Bombay, uh, India. Fucking colonialists. Uh, That's why we went in there and kicked their asses. He made it back over to England pretty fucking quickly. Um, he went to some schools. I don't know. He was a two. He was a, a, a student of some guy that I don't fucking know who was a writer. Um, he wrote. Um, he wrote the Sword in the Stone in 1938. He he had he tried his hand at, at, at some sci-fi. Honestly, there's like some parallels with him and George R. R. Martin. And I, I'm going to find some like parallels with George R. R. Martin and Merlin as well. Uh, once we get into that character, but, uh, he, he tries his hand at sci-fi before he gets into medieval fantasy. Sure. Um, now I don't know. So all of, all of, um, his King Arthur writings are compiled into a work called uh, the once and future King. It's a four parter. Yeah. Four-parter, yeah, and okay. and and it, it kind of spanned his entire life. Um, he went out into so he was a conscientious objector during World War II, believe it or not. Uh, you know, and uh, fuck me for sitting here and saying, you know, there are some wars that you don't. Uh, there'll be a conscientious objector. Maybe you just don't want to ever kill anybody ever, like some kind of Jainist or something. But yeah. I don't know. It's you're in the UK, <laughs> and like, how are you gonna? I don't know. Uh, I mean, maybe you just don't like all the keep calm, carry on shit. He was in Ireland, so he wasn't getting fucking bombed by the Nazis or anything. But sure. Hey, again, George R. R. Martin, conscientious objector during Vietnam. Much easier were to be a conscientious objector during whatever. T.H. Lawrence, or T.H., not T.H. Lawrence, T.H. White. Uh, also. Whoa. Also, oh, uh, also That's known. Joey Lawrence. Also known by his name is Tim. Oh. Yeah, he went by Tim. Uh, gets a cabin um, in Ireland and takes a, uh, uh, takes an interest in hunting, fishing, and falconry. Mm. Boy, love, which is going to come up. Boy, love talking Boy, about animals. Loved it. Love putting on a love putting on a glove and having a fucking bird of prey sitting on it. Uh, that's literally how Sword in the Stone starts: is um, Wart and Kay uh, running around with uh, Cully the hawk, um, and then instead of uh, Wart chasing Kay's arrow into the forest, he actually chases the hawk, um, Cully, which they were using to falcon. Kay doesn't really know how to do it. Uh, Kay loses the hawk. Wart's like, hey, Hob is going to be real upset when he sees he lost a hawk. And Kay goes, well, fuck Hob. He's a fucking peasant commoner. And he just stalks back to the... It's a, uh, 
from what I have read of Sword in the Stone, it's actually very, very accurate to the Disney version, believe it or not. I thought it was going to be wildly different. No, 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 no. It, uh, yeah, they, they stayed fairly true to book one. Um, from what I've been so, to believe. Before we get into, into the story and the, and the similarities from what I've read so far, um, Conscious Objector, uh, also, uh, also gay as a blade, T.H. <laughs> White. Um, there are conflicting accounts, uh, just how about, bad. so at the, at the very end of pride month, I just want to say that I feel so bad for all the people in the world that were just, just gay as hell and never got to just be okay with being themselves being yeah, gay. Yeah. Uh, T.H. White, definitely one of those may have been just real gay and never got to just be okay with it. It's like it's like if that guy you watched The Last of Us. Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's a good show. It's like it's like if if it's like if the guy from White Lotus had never come into Nick Offerman's life, that would have just been T H White. Oh. Um. Okay. Then you know. That makes it sad. It was already sad, but that makes it sadder somehow. He had some diary entries about. Um, lusting over uh, a younger boy that he knew. God, oh, only. Um, and then somebody went and interviewed him, and they said that he said some things about small girls, but then they said that they really figured that he was just using that as a cover for his homosexuality, which I don't know if that's the best cover. Uh, but then somebody was like, hey, well, why don't you go check this one chick? Why don't you just go check this one chick who did fuck him? And she'll dispute that story. And then they go and ask him. She's like, oh, no, he's a raging homosexual. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, guy kind of of, uh, looks like Ernest Hemingway, but uh, way gayer. (laughs) That's hard to do. Anyways, um, aside from probably having like an unfulfilled sex sex life, uh, he remained uh, prolific, satisfied with his works, and he did get to see uh, 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 fame and success in his life. And uh, 1960 got to see uh, his works on his Arthurian works um, uh, published into or, or portrayed on Broadway in Camelot. Uh, the and in 19, yeah. And then in 1963, got to see Disney do The Sword in the Stone right before he died on tour in 1964. So, you know, bittersweet life. Um, I wouldn't say happy ending, but like, you know, it's it's not, it's not uh, all of his works are for naught until fucking Van Gogh posthumous um, recognition kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, he got to, he got to see himself appreciated, if not allowed to be himself. Uh, yeah, um, but, uh, and I have a quote from, uh, I was gonna, I kind of just wanted to put this on the gram, and, and we really, we just need to start putting shit on the gram a little bit more, but what, I have a quote from Julie Andrews, uh, who knew him. I believe Tim may have been an unfulfilled homosexual, and he suffered a lot because of it. <laughs> from Julie Andrews in her autobiography. She knew him better than anyone. Hey, uh, in the words of, uh, I always want to call him Christoph Waltz, Christopher Plummer, working with Julie Andrews, like getting hit over the head with a valentine. Christopher Plummer's kind of... I feel like like Julie Andrews, 
feel like Julie Andrews walks into the room and you hear the the fucking Doug funny noise like when Patty Mayonnaise walks in. Hey, she's up. She's on deck, buddy. She's on deck. You best be ready for that one. Julie Andrews or Patty Mayonnaise? Uh, Julie Andrews. We're doing Mary Poppins next, I believe. <laughs> oh. I, honest to God, for just a second there, thought you were talking about celebrities that are going to die soon. Uh. <laughs> oh, no. May she live a thousand years. Long live, <laughs> long, long live Queen Julie. You, you made me sad. I got sad for a second. Got sad for a second there. I uh, uh, well, fuck. That's sad. Uh, does that bring us to the year nineteen thirty nine? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't really know about how how Disney like acquired the rights or whatever, but it, it you know, T. H. White was involved in all of it, I believe. Uh, um, do you know who does now? He know how he got the rights. I yeah I'm I, now I'm gonna I'm gonna sit back and uh, and let you I'm gonna put on my 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 scuba suit we're it's going me. in a yeah it's me get a it's grab me. your grab your Logitech controllers ladies and gentlemen we're going on a deep dive Tim the year is 1939 Nancy Pelosi just made history for being the first woman to harvest Korean baby foreskins and eat them to stay young. Uh, and Walt Disney has just acquired the rights to T.H. White's Once and Future. She, w- she would have, I believe she would have been two years old. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Did, Walt couldn't have acquired those then because because Disney had just done Snow White. He was acquiring the rights to Sword in the Stone in 39? Yeah, in 1939 he got the rights. And it's like a year after the first... Like it, it, he right away he so right after Snow White he started snatching up British shit, uh, everything he could get his hands on, uh, and that's all we've been watching. I I didn't even fucking realize, but good old mid, you know, middle America Walt Disney from fucking Missouri. Uh, has been feeding us everything that England holds near and dear this whole fucking time. Oh yeah, I mean that's why so many people have such an infatuation with with England. That's like so deep rooted. I mean, probably myself included. Yeah, I. I, I mean, it, it doesn't hurt that you get. It doesn't hurt that you have. Um, you know, as you get a little older, you 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 get Tolkien. Yeah. No. And, and then and, and as you start Zeppelin. to get into music, yeah, you get you get the Beatles and you get yeah. Zeppelin and you get the Who. You have the British Invasion, so like they have a lot to fucking offer as far as cool shit. Well, so I, I, yeah, they fucking do. But I didn't realize how much of the cool shit that we've been ingesting and researching uh, for the last three years is just uh, ripped from the heart of England. Like, Mary fucking Poppins and uh, the King Arthur fucking uh, Winnie the Pooh. The the fact that, that Disney didn't make a Paddington movie... It's probably a good thing because Paddington Two is fucking fantastic. Have you seen it? No. Okay, doesn't matter. Uh, so yeah, no, thirty-eight or not thirty-eight, thirty-nine. Every I looked in like four different places, uh, and it uh, everything I found said that he got the rights to this first book like right right away. Did you shoot your malort? Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely, I did. Uh, I do want to state that for the next few minutes, when we learn about 
how this thing showed up. Um, I need to give credit to my source. Uh, there were a few, most of them Wikipedia as usual. Uh, but I read an incredible article by a dude named William Fisher called How the Sword and the Stone Pulled Disney Back into Animation on uh, Collider. So uh, they've got way, he did way more research than I did into this thing and knew so much more than I'm going to share. But yeah, 1939, Walt gets the rights. And then WW2, baby, the big one. Uh, it's the war and war is hell. I'm just kidding. We've done it. So many times. You mean the war? The war. But, um, so Walt acquires the rights to this story. Then we get our, we get the war, we get the propaganda, we get all of the things that we've already talked about leading up to the writer's strike, and Walt is still feeling some kind of way. But, uh, the whole time. He's uh, just soaking up British classics. Uh, this motherfucker was appropriating more British culture than Madonna back when she was pegging Guy Ritchie. <laughs> That's the best joke I wrote down. Um, so, did, she, did they peg? I, you know, I have to assume. I have to assume that if you're going to marry Madonna, you're going to get pegged. Hey... Don't threaten me with a good time. I'm saying, like, you know, I'll try anything once, especially if it's Madonna. But you you remember when she came back with that British accent? You remember when Madonna was like a British now? She lived there for like four years and she was British now. Now, Madonna was in the hospital recently. Uh, for what? I don't know exactly. Um, she had to get rushed to the hospital. Um, she is getting very old. And she's it's getting not scary looking. It's man, just you seen her. You seen her Instagram? Yes, just it's scary as hell. Old. Just let yourself get old, Tim. Tim, now that you're now that you're on testosterone treatments and using a CPAP machine, uh, and just getting older every day, have you gotten to the point in your life where, like, every now and then you see like a, a pretty old lady and you're just like, yeah, she's like sixty five, but I do it. I definitely yeah, would. Uh, I don't know about 65, but definitely like ladies in their 50s. I'm like, I'd bag that for sure. Absolutely. And they're into me. All the women who's in their 50s, throw your hands up at me. Like, like, like I have no qualms about a 49-year-old lady, maybe even not a 52-year-old. No. No. And anyway. it, but the, like the 60-year-olds, it would have to be like some like Christy Brinkley level shit. How old, how old is Heidi Klum? You know what? Uh, how how old is Jamie Lee Curtis? Because I'd do that right now. Helen Mirren. How old is Helen Mirren? Helen Mirren's way too old. How old will it? No, not at all. No, I'd still do it. Would I you would, bag? Uh, would you bang uh, uh, Maggie Maggie Smith? Dame Maggie Smith. Which one's Maggie Smith? Mister Pulsinger. Fucking McGonagall. No, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. She's so old that she can't fucking, she can't tell which way she's looking. Uh, and she doesn't know which way she's going. That means she's going to walk right into you. <laughs> she's going to fall into my arms. Uh, 
well, speaking of emotions, uh, Walt's been feeling some kind of way because uh, he's out of fucking money. He made all the movies he wanted he wanted to make, and then there's the wars, and then all of his fucking friends start striking on him, and Walt's just like big mad at the animators and doesn't, you know, every movie that we've covered for the past while when we were still working in chronological order like we've discussed it walt has been less and less hands-on for this whole thing and then we get to 101 dalmatians and walt is almost a hundred percent hands-off as far as uh as far as animation goes and you know that that doesn't just make his friends sad um it's kind of making walt sad but uh He's putting all of his time and energy into the TV shows. He's putting all his time and energy into Disney. Um, and he's just kind of being a little bitch for a while about Yeah, animation. yeah. On, on his, like, Davy Crockett shit and his fucking... Um, and his 20,000 League shit, like... Where'd you go? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's... He, so he's, he's not putting any real time into the animation department. And he's... You know, Frank and Ollie are there, and Mill, and he he's still got this core group of animators that he trusts, but he's really letting them do it. And so now we've made our way to 1959, and Sleeping Beauty costs six million dollars to make. That's give or take fifty six million dollars now, um, and it's like a top ten movie for the year, but. At $6 million, it still doesn't make the costs back. And so Roy says to Walt, but, like, it's Disneyland time, it's TV time. We've made so many cartoons that we can just keep releasing the cartoons that we've made. Fuck your animation department, fuck your friends, let's get over it. And Walt being Walt, you know, fucking drawing rabbits and mice as a kid under the fucking tree and taking those to Kansas City and bringing Disney and stealing all 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 of the things that he's doing like it all started with cartoons he's an animator at heart so he tells Roy to fuck himself but it's almost like if Roy hadn't said that it, it's like Roy agreed with him aggressively and then made him like find his heart again yeah, is the story I'm telling myself here a little bit. No, 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 and it, it kind of it, it kind of is right. So um, he's like, "Fuck animation," and and then Roy's like, "Yeah, fuck animation, seriously." And Walt's like, "Only I can say that." Yes, it, it's exactly like that. I and and talk, also I, I think that nobody could have been. Yeah, yeah, and and like I feel like again I I haven't done all the research, but I feel like in all the what we have talked about. It had to be Roy in that position because it's his fucking brother his older that's telling, brother, yeah. like that big, that his brother, brother is the his brother is the checks and balances that that's the only checks and balances that Walt will tolerate on him fucking self. Yeah, there's only there's only one person in the world who can actually get you to listen. I I I I thought I actually while I was. While I was reading, uh, while I was reading up on this today, I kept picturing the fucking movie that would just be Roy and Walt arguing during the fucking angry days, like Walt's angry days after the strike and the fucking war, and just man, I don't know, just 
building Disneyland and not trusting anybody anymore. Anyway, anyway, uh, it would be fucking sick. But, but. By the way, I feel like, I feel like, like, early Walt Disney looks like me when I was, like, at the height of pedicabbing. And, like, Disneyland and post Walt Disney looks like me now. <laughs> I feel Just, like, like, a, like a balloon that's getting blown up but also slightly deflating. I feel like a better analogy would be uh, Tim Allen in Home Improvement looks like you pedicabbing, and Al Boyle in bed- Home Improvement looks like you now. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Tim Allen in Santa Claus. <laughs> hey, hey, look, if I had the camera on, you'd laugh at this joke. Clydesdale. And I just slapped my belly. That's a good joke. Um, but Walt says go fuck yourself thank you Roy you've you've reminded me that animation is where I come from I'm not getting rid of the department but that is when the the budget cuts hit the ink and paint department gets replaced with the Xerox department and everything that we learned about during our 101 Dalmatians episodes comes into play. The rotoscoping, the Xeroxing of cells, um, the backgrounds with, like, splash color. All of these things that made 101 Dalmatians look fucking awesome and new and w- and were just really cost-cutting moves uh, really came into play. And so Disney got, a, like, 101 Dalmatians happens... And Bill Pete is sort of in charge of that whole project, pushing it through, and 101 Dalmatians makes money. So Walt is able to say to the to Roy and the rest of the company, see, we're good, we're still going to fucking make some movies, but Walt's still super hands-off. And so Bill Pete, um, if you remember, and I'm not mad if you don't, because I forgot, uh, storyboarded 101 Dalmatians from top to bottom. Like, that the entire storyboard was Bill Pete, and that was a situation where the animation department wasn't just hands-off from Walt. It was just fucking go for it. This one's yours. I'm not even... I'm. It's just Davy Crockett time for me right now. I, fuck you guys. Um, I definitely remember Bill Pete as the storyboard guy, yeah. Uh, but, so, Bill... He Bill was the Lady in the Tramp storyboard guy, too, right? Like, yes, yes. But he, he but, was very heavily involved in the down days. But, oh, absolutely. But, um, uh, anyway, that, that, that's not important. So, um, Bill, after 101 Dalmatians, pulls the Once in Future King rights back out. Um, and he, he wants to... He wants to stay close to the source material, but T.H. White, as he he's spending his entire life writing these things, we've made it all the way to almost 1960 at this point, but we still get to make the movie if we want to because we got the right so fucking early. Um, T.H. White has sort of taken what was the, the book you're reading now is a little bit f- more fun, a little bit more silly, and eventually turns into... Like that, that serious George R. R. Martin, like big fan Arthurian fantasy, and and Bill Pete was the guy that was like, ah, we got to keep it light. We're gonna keep the silly, um, and instead of storyboarding 
Bill Pete writes a screenplay, which no one ever fucking does. Um, but he writes the script, essentially, and then he storyboards the script so that he can have the bits and pieces that he's going to pull to make a, a narrative flow that still feels like a Disney movie. So, so this boy screenplays the thing, and then he storyboards the thing um, in that order. Um, but during an interview I watched with Bill Pete about this, he sort of talks about how he's just the story guy now. And he was never, he never intended to be a story guy. He was an animator. But if you walk into Walt's office and you pitch a story, then you're a story guy now. Because that's just sort of how Walt sees you. Like, at this point in Disney, it's just sort of a, Walt's brought in his friends and his confidants and all of that. And sort of over time, Walt's just done the whole, that's what you do now, bud. Uh, and Bill Pete sort of fell into stories just from being the pitch man at first. Um, but that's what he's best at. Uh, he's also learned pretty quick that if you, if you want to make Walt happy, you put a wizard in a movie and you make it look a little bit like Walt, but yeah. So, so Bill Pete writes the story for this thing, but then we're not done yet, Tim. We're going to meet Ken Anderson and Mark Davis. But before we meet Ken Anderson and Mark Davis, who we've also talked about in the dog days, I need a little, I need another shot of my Lord. Oh, well, I'll take a little Bombay Saf. Happy Fourth of July, Tim. Uh, I call it the War of American Aggression. <laughs> that makes sense to me. All right, ready? Mark and Ken, uh, you may remember them from 101 Dalmatians. Uh, I don't. Both? Okay, so... Ken Anderson and Mark Davis uh, were animators on 101 Dalmatians, art directors. Um, they were they were as much a part of the 101 Dalmatians process and the the way it felt and moved that that new contemporary style, like the 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 swing in 60s, like the the Disney that we see in Aristocats and. Sword in the Stone and Jungle Book, like my favorite Disney, this Disney that we're watching now. Um, they're the guys who sort of pull that together, right? You got Frank, Ollie, Ken, Milt, all of them, but like they're they're the ones who drove that cost reduction. Anyway, um, they wanted to make something contemporary again. They had a ton of fun on 101 Dalmatians. They'd been playing around since the fucking 40s in British fantasy bullshit because that's all Walt was buying. It's just so many trees and pretty songs and and birds and talking animals and, uh, and ye old-timey London town, and they wanted to stay in new old-timey London town. Uh, so they started working on a Americanization, sort of like modernization of a Aesop's fable about a rooster who thinks he can crow the sun into the sky named Chanticleer. You may remember that. Oh, Chant- Chanticleer. Yeah, I know, I know Chanticleer. <laughs> yeah. uh, so they, they want to they wanna turn Chanticleer into, they want to modernize it. They want to they wanna bring well, it into the swing in London 60s uh, and so what, they, what was that? Was that? I'm sorry. Was that? Was it? Was it just called Chanticleer? 
or Chanticleer. was that Chanticleer. Yeah, uh, they, yeah, no, I remember yeah, that from were... I remember that from British literature in college. Uh, yeah, uh, Chanticleer and the Fox. Yeah, Chanticleer was kind of a trickster, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, he's 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 a Loki esque character. He's a yeah fucking conceited French rooster uh, that thinks he's the reason the sun comes up every day. So yeah, he suck. He fucking preens himself to death. Anyway. They're working on Chanticleer. And, like, Bill has been working on uh, Once in Future King. So they are not necessarily seeing eye to eye. And there's there's this tension building between Bill Pete and the animation department. Uh, and it's one of those things where, like, fucking 19... I don't know, 1939, and then just right after, like right before the strike, this would have been a situation where all the writers are hanging out, or all the animators are hanging out, smoking fucking cigarettes and getting fucking lit, and like sharing ideas, but now we're at a point where Roy's trying to get rid of animation entirely, and Walt has cut your budget in fucking half, and you're not even sure if you're still going to have a job. And because there's no animation money, you get one feature a year, not make them and we'll put them out because fuck it, I'm spending my money making my dream projects. Um, so the Chanticleer team and the King Arthur team are not seeing eye to eye. And so there's two sides of the story. Hey, well, there's, yeah. so, hey so, sounds like they've come to snuff the rooster. <laughs> no, 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 he ain't gonna dare. Okay, so it's pitch day, and the stories here vary greatly. But uh, Bill Pete, uh, well, you know what? Bill Pete's a story guy, so I, I, I don't know who I trust more. So, um, Ken. And Mark, their version of the story is on pitch day, Walt comes into the room and it's clear that he respects his friends and he doesn't want to hurt Chanticleer? The Chant team Chanticleer. Kid and Mark are team Chanticleer. So Walt's sitting there for team Chanticleer. Uh, and they claim that he was clearly not into it. And then uh, one of Roy Disney's employees said something stupid to hijack the meeting and Disney just went with it and then Irish goodbyed the whole meeting. That's their version of the story is that he just sat there and listened to the pitch and then just fucking dipped. Bill Pete's version of the story is that they all sat there and fucking Mark and Ken straight up fucking uh, floundered up there a little bit talking about old Chanticleer the rooster and how they've modernized it probably all high on 101 Dalmatians money and fucking 1958 mushrooms I don't know what people did in the 50s was it dirt weed anyway they, it was dirt weed yeah the dirtiest dirt weed so they're they're giggle boots and off of dirt weed and poorly rolled cigarettes uh, and they just flounder through the whole thing and according to Bill Pete Disney just sits there quietly and goes shit and then stands up and walks to Bill Pete's office, and so everybody comes into Pete's office, and then Pete does his thing. He's a story guy. <laughs> so Pete being a story He's guy. He's like, I got boards for days, Walt. I got, 
I wrote a screenplay, dog. Here's my fucking, here's my storyboards. This shit is ready to go. And Walt says something along the lines of, hey, great job. Doesn't everybody think it's a great job? And the poor fucking bastards on Team Chanticleer had to be like, yeah, Walt, great job. It's, it's fucking perfect. Let's do it. So there may have been some, like, weird reality TV show click shit happening during, <laughs> during the creation of this movie, uh, but they weren't super pumped to make it when they started making it. Uh, and one thing that I thought was really funny is all of these other movies that we've watched, I've been able to find a Disney-produced like making of documentary where everybody who was involved in it or their kids talks about the fun stories of making it and, and everybody working together. But I couldn't find one of those for this, but I could find a bunch of interviews of people bitching about it. Uh, and so like even the Sherman brothers who did all the music were like, yeah, the fucking score guy was kind of a dick. <laughs> well, I mean, so that, that I was going to say that the Sherman brothers didn't do all the music. No. And the no, score no, no, no. guy they, was George Bruns. George yeah. Bruns is is the replacement for Oliver Wallace. Right. So you've got you've got these as far as the music goes, the Sherman brothers doing the the songs, right? They're, the right, the, the songs no. and the songs are a lot more like radio friendly now now that the Sherman brothers are in are in the biz. But they're, as far as the scores go, they're they're the tra- uh, George Bruns is the Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, you know? Yes, yes. It's and, very and the, clearly a George Bruns score. Mm-hmm. Um, Morgan, even Morgan was like, you need, you, you guys need to make sure you talk about the guy who did the score. And I was like, you mean the guys who did the songs? The Sherman Brothers? She was like, no, not the songs. The score. It's just as recognizable as any of the songs. And it's, it's just, like, every... She's right. Like, the score... The animation, the, everything feels so fucking Disney for this time where they had no choice but to share the same people and share the same ideas and it just feels, it's really comfortable for me. But there there wasn't a ton of, there weren't a ton of fun stories from the creators on this one. This was not their happiest point in time. Um, but... <laughs> The, the truth being somewhere in between uh, the sword and the stone was just going to be cheaper to make no matter what you're storyboarded you're scripted it's here we know how to fucking do forests we don't like it's 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 just basically ready to make and so it's also you know you've got a story about an asshole French rooster or you've got a story that's basically you know a fun-loving poor kid from the Midwest becoming the king, just like Walt himself. So yeah, I bet it was an easy fucking sell. Um, also, like like ordained by God, the plucky like underdog. Yeah, yeah, it's you and know, so uh, it, uh, shocks like all, all of all of his detractors into their jaws, dropping to the fucking ground, and they have to bow down to him. Like the the other thing is like I think Bill, like the, the animators are the animators, right? And like I think Bill at this point just really understood how to sell to Walt better Um, because he he talks a little bit about knowing full damn well uh, that 
on on something like a pitch day, Walt comes into work early, like earlier than anybody would ever fucking imagine being there, even if you want to like stay awake and see Santa kind of thing. Like early as fuck to peek at your work before you get to try to sell it to him. And so Bill was able to stage that shit. Like when Bill would leave for the night, he'd straight up, he puts out the good shit, you know? Like he doesn't... Mm. He doesn't have the cutting room floor sitting out. He's got the good shit just hanging out. Look, it's fucking storyboarded. Ready to go, Dad. Um, but <laughs> that's not that's not where the story ends, but that is how the sword and the stone got made. Um, but what, you know, the other story is just about a conceited rooster. And, and who in their right minds would make that, Tim? Who who would make a story about a conceited rooster? Dom DeLuise. Yeah, I'm glad you asked, Tim. <laughs> it's not Dom DeLuise. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's Don fucking Bluth. I uh, uh, I saw something when you 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 shot me a little uh, a little screen grab of your shit. So I, I did I, I did actually see that. <laughs> Don Bluth. <laughs> uh, so Don Bluth being, you know, the guy who made all the movies that everybody still thinks are Disney movies, um, was at one point in his career. Like, like Land Before Time and yeah, All yeah. Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Featuring uh, Don DeLuise, of all people. Featuring Dom DeLuise. Uh, he he was a Disney animator. He walked the same fucking halls. He went to the same fucking break rooms, right? Like, he knew these guys who made this movie. He knew these stories. And so you have to sort of fucking... Like, Don fucking Bluth didn't just come up with, you know what, we're gonna fucking Americanize Chanticleer. Uh... On, all on his own. Like, that's one of those things, like, you, great minds think alike, but you've heard this joke before, you just don't remember where you fucking heard it. Uh, but Don Bluth uh, decides to make a movie hot off the heels of Who Framed Roger Rabbit uh, called Motherfucking Rockadoodle. And so for the next two and a half hours, we're going to talk about Rockadoodle, because that's what you watched, right? Oh man, I I did watch Rockadoodle one time, and I don't think I had a terrible time with it. But I I did think it was real stupid, and and we've talked before about how I don't really like Elvis, so uh, that 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 the legacy of Sean to clear get, getting realized as fucking Rockadoodle, Rockadoodle is it's pretty tragic considering. You know the the lofty. I don't know. I don't know if we we if we're calling Sword in the Stone like. I appreciate it so much for what it is. Yeah. Is it is it like a is it a B track? It, it is definitely. It is. It is not as far down the list as, like, The Great Mouse Detective. Uh, but, yeah, no, it's a B-side for sure. It's fucking perfect for what it is. It's like, amazing. It's, it's, fuck, man. Okay, so the Disney... And, 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 and here's, another, here's, a, here's one thing that I, I knew I was going to end up talking to you about at some point. You 
seem to take issue sometimes with like that's a girl movie that's a that's a that's a baby movie you know like i feel like we've had a lot of a lot of girl stuff and a lot and like winnie the pooh i think you would argue was like kind of kind of child oriented driven which I, I i loved by the way and i think you came around on winnie the pooh at the end of the last one but this is a boy movie this is a boy movie for boys uh, uh-huh. Morgan loves it. Addie loves it. But this is a boy movie for boys. Um, I, I, I think that one of my issues with it is that, I, and one of my issues with Dick and Bob in general, but honestly, if they did all the music for Mary Poppins, and I can't really help level this at them across the, like, it is a blanket statement, but we get two songs in this, really. Yeah. They, they, they'll um, be the first to tell you they phoned it in. I don't. Know I mean, Higgitus, Figitus, and uh, to and fro, like you, you know, you're familiar with My Fair Lady, right? Yeah. So, I love the character of Henry Higgins, but Rex Harrison's like, <laughs> oh, why can't the English teach their children how to speak? Like it, it's like that with Merlin, to where it's like. We're not getting a song here. We're getting like a score under a guy like fussing, and uh, you get some of that the with first Merlin. Recorded rap, Tim. This, this beat Debbie Harry to the fucking uh, to the mic. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm not saying I don't like it, but I'm saying for what for what we know that that Disney oh, no, films is, are capable of is, with is, no, with music and songs. Yeah. This is yeah. This um, is not Cruella I, Deville. You you it, are hot off the heels of Cruella Deville. Mm-hmm. Well, we're actually hot off the heels of Incredible Journey, which, uh, if you haven't listened to Pleasant and Cousins' coverage of uh, uh, Incredible Journey and Homeward Bound, please go listen to it because it's a great it's a great time with some dogs and cats <laughs> and one uh, one big puffy pussy on a male dog. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the I believe the episode is called Muffy's Puffy Muff. Muffy's Puffy Muff, yeah. That's the t-shirt. <laughs> That's not the t-shirt. That's the t-shirt. It's the Allah Hawkberries. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> nah, dude, the, the t-shirt's the... Uh, hey, hey, Tim. Uh, what's Plussin' and Cousins? Mm, yeah. Got that motherfucker. Anyway, uh, I think... I think we found the end of episode one. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think I think it's time to pee. I think it's time to regroup. I think our listeners who made it this far just just stuffed to the brim. It was a deep dive, but I didn't want to go too deep because uh, I didn't want the sub to implode because I care about my listeners. Uh, but... After we PP, I think we should talk about the movie itself because I'm hot for squirrels now. Oh, <laughs> oh, buddy, we're gonna talk about that a bit. <laughs> got it bad, uh, got it bad, got it bad. Uh, Thought about fucking a squirrel. <laughs> I'm hot for squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, but I get to. I wanted to close this episode out on a high note for the end of episode one. Because I did a lot of work on this one, and I'm really proud of myself. Um, so I really just wanted to say. Who, 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 who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who,
That's it's too hot. It's too hot. There we go. Well. Hey, Gigiyo. Hey, uh, time to get your get your fucking talking owls out and get your fucking Bermuda shorts on, cause we're doing Sword in the Stone next. The actual movie. This is a movie. It's time to talk about the movie. <laughs>